Peter Title Prater. Welcome to JC Talks, a podcast about life and leadership. I'm an organizational consultant and professor of business and leadership. My entire purpose is to help you, your team, and your organization be more impactful, more effective, and more profitable. When the leader gets it right, everybody wins. This podcast is my opportunity to share with you great interviews, great books, great articles, and the important lessons I am learning on the journey. My only hope is that the next few moments add value to your life and to your leadership. Stay tuned. We all naturally possess the most remarkable tool for connecting to people and attaining social power. It's called empathy. When cultivated and properly used, it can allow us to see into the moods and into the minds of others, giving us the proper, excuse me, giving us the power to anticipate people's actions and gently lower their resistance. This instrument, however, is blunted by our habitual self-absorption. Watch this. We are all narcissists, some deeper on the spectrum than others. Our mission in life is to come to terms with this self-love and learn how to turn our sensitivity outward towards others instead of inward. We must recognize at the same time the toxic narcissist among us before getting enmeshed in their dramas and poisoned by their envy. I am reading from the book called The Laws of Human Nature by Robert Greene. We're kind of in a series, I guess you'd say. We're just kind of walking through this book, at least this week. Next week, we're going to take a little break and we're going to talk about some other things. But this week, we're we're continuing to march through this book. And this is chapter two that talks about um, the header says, transform self-love into empathy, the law of narcissism. I debated on talking about this, but I thought, you know, it's an important thing to talk about. It's a leadership podcast. And, you know, there are leaders out there that wrestle with this. Um, uh, If we take what the premise of this book did, you know, what it says to be true, you wrestle with it and I wrestle with it. So we need to talk about it. Uh, We're calling the episode this week, Self-Love, Narcissism and Leadership. So it's important for us to talk about this idea of self-love. When does it make the tip to when it becomes uh, narcissism and why is this important to leadership? So I'm going to do a lot of reading today and then kind of explaining what we're talking about uh, because there's a lot of important things that Robert Greene has to say in this chapter that I think are important for us to understand. So he starts this and he he talks about the narcissistic spectrum. And in the next episode, uh, Wednesday, we're going to talk about the three levels of narcissism. We're going to talk about you know, what's the worst form of narcissism all the way to the best form and the kind of narcissism that we want. And here's what Robert Greene has to say. From the moment we are born, we humans feel a never ending need for attention. And if you, I mean, if you think about back to when you were a kid or if you're a parent, you know this to be true. We are social animals to the core. Our survival and happiness depend on the bonds we form with others. If people do not pay attention to us, we cannot connect to them on any level. 
Some of this is purely physical. We must have people looking at us to feel alive, right? And that's what babies need. They need the attention. There are babies, and I've heard this, I've heard this said before, there are babies who've actually passed away, not because of anything physically wrong with them, but because they're not getting the emotional needs that they, um, that they need. All humans need a sense of connectivity. As those, um, as those who have gone through long periods of isolation can attest, and I've been there before, more than likely you've been there before, without eye contact, we begin to doubt our existence and to descend into deep depression. But this need is also deeply psychological. Uh, through the quality of attention we receive from others, we feel recognized and appreciated for who we are. Our sense of self-worth depends on this because this is so important to the human animal. People will do almost anything to get attention, including committing a crime or attempting suicide. And we've seen this before in life. And maybe there are some crim you know, criminals who don't know why they're making the decisions that they're making. Uh, but some of it is attention-seeking behavior. I, I used to work at, at a school with, um, with kids um, it was more of what you would call an alternative school. And, and it was kids who, because of disciplinary reasons, they couldn't make it in the public school system. So they were sent to this school. And a lot of times, a lot of their acting up was simply a, a need for attention. It was a cry for attention, a cry for help. And so one of the things, and I used to work at a, a juvenile a detention center years ago. And then I worked at a, um, it was kind of a residential facility for, for youth. And one of the lessons that I learned, because I remember when I first uh, started doing this, I came right out of the army. And if you know anything about being in the military, it's all about, hey, if you're not listening to what I'm telling you what to do, that's disrespect. And I'm going to teach you not to disrespect me. And so I got myself into some hot water times because I, I wanted these kids to learn respect. And what I didn't understand is that their actions were a cry for help. They were a cry for attention. They were a cry for love. And as I've gotten older and hopefully wiser, and when I think about my own daughter sometimes when she's acting out, as opposed to disciplining her or um, you know, getting her into trouble in some ways, I'm learning to say, okay, there's a new behavior here that I haven't seen. There's a different kind of behavior that I haven't seen. What is underneath this? And normally it's just, it's just a cry for help, a cry for attention. Um, so we all do this, right? And, and then there are people who you know, who I know, who have, who, who've attempted suicide or they get on social media or they tell their friends or they send a text message. I'm going to, I'm going to take my life. I'm, I'm going to kill myself. And underneath it is not really the, the desire to in their life, but really the desire that they have is they want some attention. They want somebody to listen. Um, they want somebody to pay attention to who they are. Look behind. And then Robert Green uh, goes on to say, look behind almost any action and you will see this need as a primary motivation. So this is almost everything we do is because we want attention. We want somebody to look at us. We want somebody to notice who we are. In trying to satisfy our hunger for attention, however, we face an inevitable problem. There is only so much attention to go around, right? In the family, we have to compete with our siblings, at school, with classmates, at work, with colleagues. That's why this is important for us to realize at le as leaders, um, because what we don't realize is that our people, uh, the people that we 
get to lead the people that we have the privilege of leading, uh, they're going to want our attention. There's only so much that we can get, uh, so much that we can give and so much that we can get. And so we've got to be very careful and we've got to be very intentional about how we give out this attention. And if we're just in the workplace, we have to understand that this might be what underlies so many of our actions. We want somebody to notice us, right? It's, it's, it, it's innate. It's not a bad thing. It's just innate in all of us. We want to be seen. We want to be noticed. So it says in a family, we have to compete with our siblings at school, with classmates at work, with colleagues. The moments in which we feel recognized and appreciated are fleeting. And you know that, and I know that, right? They come and they go. People can largely be indifferent to our fate as they must deal with their own problems. One, one of the, uh, um, I heard somebody say this recently, you know, they say, stop worrying about what other people think about you. They're not even thinking about you. They're thinking about themselves. But it's funny because we all go around in life and we're all thinking that everyone's worried about us. Everyone's looking at us. Everybody's noticing us. So we're very careful about what we say, about what we do and what we don't realize that all of these people, they're worried about their own lives. They're thinking about their own and they're thinking the same thing about you. They think you're caring about them. And really, they don't they don't give in, you know, Two cares about you because they're thinking about themselves. They're considering themselves. You know, we have to understand this. Um, but the problem with that is, is that because of that, people are indifferent to what we go through, right? So what you're facing in life, you're not going to get a lot of sympathy for it because you have everyone around you is facing their own kind of battle. Uh, going back to what Robert Greene sees, uh, says, there are even some who are downright hostile, hostile and disrespectful to us. Right. So how do we handle those moments when we feel psychologically alone or even abandoned? Because we're all going to feel that at some point or another. We can double our efforts to get attention and notice, but this can exhaust our energy and it can often have the opposite effect. People who try too hard seem desperate and repulse the attention they want. And that is so true in life, in dating, in relationships, right? Think about the people in your life who have annoyed you the most. It's the people who tend to be the most needy, right? Nobody wants to be around the needy person. Uh, we simply cannot rely on others to give us constant validation, and yet we all crave it. Okay. Some may be less than others, and this is what we're going to talk about over the next, next couple of days, that spectrum of narcissism. Uh, but, but we all want, I mean, one of the, one of the, greatest, um, one of the greatest punishments that in any U.S. prison that, that can be given is isolation, right? They put you in the isolation uh, cell. I don't know if that's what they call it or underground or wherever it is that you go. And I've heard before that that's one of the worst punishments that people want because they want to be somewhere where they can see the sunlight and they want to at least hear that there are other people out there. They want to know that there's life going on around them. So imagine being placed 24-7 into a cell where you're all by yourself. That's It goes against, it's probably a form of torture because it goes against human nature. Every person wants uh, to have attention placed on them. So this is important for us to understand as leaders, as people. Uh, underneath the motive of every single person out there is, is one thing. They want you to notice them, right? Or, or, or at the very least, they want to be noticed, okay? And so when somebody's coming to us or if somebody's getting on our nerves or someone's displaying needy behavior, especially if it's someone that we can't necessarily you know, get away with, if you're early on in stages of a relationship and whether it's a friend or someone who's dating, and I, I've learned all this the hard way, 
Okay. So I want to make that clear. I've learned all of this the hard way, but if you're early on in the, in the stages of a relationship and you're seeing needy patterns and needy behavior, more than likely it's probably time to run because you're not, you know, you're not married to this person yet. You're not into a, a committed relationship. You're not, uh, they're not your blood. They're not your family. But if, if it's someone that you know, or a coworker or, someone you necessarily, you can't necessarily get away from, understand that underneath their actions, under, underneath the neediness that they're exhibiting right now, is it's just a cry for attention. So you know what? Give them the attention they need. That's really important. And I think that's, a, that's an important lesson as leaders. When people ask for attention, give it to them. It's not hurting them, right? So give them the attention they need because we all want it. We all crave it. Robert Green goes on to say, facing this dilemma from early childhood on, most of us come up with a solution that works quite well. We, cre we create a self, an image of ourself that comforts us and makes us feel validated from within. I remember as a kid, if I can be very transparent with you, I imagined myself being a singer at nighttime when all the lights were out and I was alone in my bedroom and I couldn't fall asleep. I would picture myself as a singer. I'd look forward to this, right? I pictured myself as a famous singer and standing on a stage with thousands of people surrounding me. And I was the, I was the main attraction, right? And that, that was kind of the fantasy world that I lived in. And why is that? Now I can look back and say, well, why is it that, that, that at the end of the day, especially as a kid who stuttered, who was kind of awkward, who wasn't great with sports, but grew up in a huge basketball town. And I was a musician. Um, I, I endured some, I endured quite a bit of ridicule growing up. So I became the class clown so I could overcompensate all of that. But at nighttime, I would get alone and I would just picture myself in an arena filled with people who were chanting my name. And I was, I was the center of attention, right? And why was that? Because I wanted that attention. So I created this image in my mind that would help me feel validated. This self, going back to Robert Greene, is composed of our tastes, our opinions, how we look at the world, and what we value. In building this self-image, we tend to accentuate our positive qualities and explain away our flaws, right? That's what we tend to do in life. Um, we cannot go too far in this, for if our self-image is too divorced from reality, other people will make us aware of this discrepancy. And I think I had that happen a lot, you know, growing up, and we will doubt ourselves. Um, you know, growing up, because of some of my own personal issues and maybe some narcissism that I dealt with, uh, especially in my 20s, I was able to build this image of what I was. And it wasn't until I got later on counseling therapy, started to ask other people for their opinion of who I am. I was able to get a real clear picture <laughs> of what I actually was. And it wasn't so good. It, it wasn't always the best thing. Uh, but that's important for us, right? We, you know, if we go too far one way and we think we're Superman, at some point, life, and the people around us are going to show us exactly what we are, right? Uh, so again, I just want to repeat that again. We cannot go too far into this for if our self-image is too divorced from reality, other people will make us aware of the discrepancy and we will doubt ourselves, right? So we've got to be careful with that. If we go too far thinking, I'm so great, I'm so great, I'm so great, and then, and then life shows us, the people around us show us, the circumstances around us show us exactly what we are, we then move to down to, you know, we then move to doubting ourselves. But if this is done properly, and this is where good parenting comes in, or good leadership, right? Uh, this is where good leadership comes in. If it's done properly, in the end, we have a self that we can love and cherish. And this is a really key important that we, uh, this is a key important point, an important point that I want you to understand. 
is simply this. People will come to us sometimes and we have to understand everybody has an image of how they think they look to the world. All of us have that. And so some people, again, if their image is too divorced from reality, they tend to think I'm Superman. I'm this amazing person. I'm Superwoman, whatever it is. And the reality is, man, they have a lot of flaws because we all have a lot of flaws. So great leaders understand this and great leaders know how to deal with this um, appropriately and properly. That means you don't bust someone's bubble. You don't tell them how horrible they are. You know, they are. You don't, um, you know, you don't try to catch them where you can embarrass them and let them know all their flaws. That's what that's what a bad leader that, you know, does. That's what an insecure person does. A secure person, a secure leader helps someone see the reality of who they are, but does it with compassion, does it with a sense of grace, a sense of love, a sense of wanting to help them and empower them as they go forward in life. So that's really important for us to understand. Okay, you will have people on your teams at some point that they have a real different view of their reality than 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 what it is. But as a leader, your job is not to burst that bubble. You can you can help them see reality. But I think a great leader will help someone see their their own reality, but also keep their their pride in themselves and this great image that they have of themselves. And that's a hard thing to do. But we have to understand that's part of leadership. Okay. Um, so if it's done properly in the end, we have a self that we can love and cherish. Our energy turns inward. We become the center of our attention, right? And this is kind of this idea of self-love. When we experience those inevitable moments, uh, when we are alone and not feeling appreciated, we can retreat to this self and soothe ourselves. Why? Because we have this, this, this real view of who we are and we have this self-love. If we have moments of doubt and depression, our self-love raises us up, makes us feel worthy and even superior to others. This self-image operates as a thermostat, helping us to regulate our doubts and insecurities. We are no longer completely dependent on others for attention and recognition. We have what is called self-esteem. Right. So self-esteem, that's it's esteem that comes from within. But first, it has to start on the outside. And again, if parenting is done right when you're young and the same for your kids, if you do it right when your kids are young, they're going to have this sense of self. So in those moments when other people aren't giving them the attention that they crave, they're going to be able to go inward and find that attention. Now, I'm getting into next episode a little bit, but I want to read this um, I want to read this next small paragraph just so you can kind of see where we're going. Robert Greene goes on here on page 43, and he says this, this idea might seem strange. We generally take the self-image completely for granted, like the air we breathe. It operates on a largely unconscious basis. We don't feel or see the thermostat as it operates. The best way to literally visualize this dynamic is to look at those who lack a coherent sense of stealth sense of self. And these are the people that we call deep narcissists. So again, we're, we're going to come back to this in the next few days or on Wednesday, and we're going to talk about the three levels of narcissism. And that's one of those levels, the deep narcissist, right? So the opposite end of the deep narcissist is the person who has incredible self-love. And we're going to talk about that. What does a healthy, uh, a healthy narcissist look like? Because we're all narcissists. We have to understand that you are, I am as well. What that means is that we are seeking some kind of validation, but if we have a healthy narcissism, we'll talk about that, um, 
here in a couple of days, uh, we're able to do something with that narcissism that really impacts the world, helps the world, help other people get better. And we're able to fill ourselves up on our own as opposed to needing so much from other people, being needy, being desperate for attention, uh, taking other people down. And I've seen this before at the, at, at the deep narcissism, and again, not to get into this today, but at the deepest levels of narcissism, you have people that will try to destroy organizations and teams and families and uh, uh, relationships. Why? because they want all the attention they need the relationship uh, they need the attention right so that's kind of uh that's where you get into deep narcissism but even when you see that and i'm not saying that you need to stick around for it because if you're experiencing it you know of someone in your life that's a deep narcissist and they're not again you're not already married to them where you feel like you you are you know stuck with them on a lifetime basis or if they're not your sister brother parent you know family member or co-worker that you can't fire um Understand this: that underneath that narcissism, under, uh, underneath that that uh, what you see is as as toxic and as needy and as dysfunctional. They are craving some kind of attention. More than likely, they didn't get it early on in life. So that's what I want to talk about today: this idea of self love. Okay, it's important for us to know what that is and where it comes from. It comes from within. Uh, and we have a, a healthy image of what we are. We know our strengths, we, and we're proud about our strengths, right? But we also know our weaknesses, and we know those, vul- those vulnerabilities. That's what I wrote down in my journal the other night. I was writing about my own strengths and weaknesses. We know those places in our life when we're vul- where we're vulnerable and the places that we need most help with, okay? So this is where we all want to be, this idea of self-love, which is a healthy form of narcissism. But again, Understand this, and this is probably the the big takeaway for leadership today when we talk about this idea of self-love, narcissism, and leadership. You've got to understand that there are people working for you that don't know, uh, you know, they don't have that self-love. They weren't raised with great parents. They haven't done the maybe the therapy work or the counseling work. Um, Their foundation, their their context, their situation has not created them to be people filled with self-love. So they're looking for it from the outside. These can be the high achievers. These can be people that, you know, the people who are working, uh, the work all the time. Why? Because they're looking for love from the outside. They're looking for acceptance. So you know what? As a leader, don't fight it, right? Don't try to be the person who tries to burst their bubble. And I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to bring you down a few notches. Understand what you're looking at. This person needs attention. They need acceptance. And then you know what? Be a great leader and give them what they're looking for. That's all I got for you today. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. Uh, I'll see you on the next one. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, we offer episodes just like this every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Subscribe to my podcast, JC Talks, a leadership podcast available on Apple, Spotify, Google, anywhere you get your podcast and be the first to get new episodes three times every week. I'll see you soon.